The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. We're in a series right now called Roots. Everybody say Roots. Roots. And we've been talking about uh, the production of our life, the fruit of our life. And, if, and we're looking at basically the fruit of our life. And if it lines up with God's word, then that's great. But if it doesn't, we're looking at it and we're dealing with it biblically from a roots level. Because if we have a fruit problem, we have a root problem. So we're dealing with the issues of life at the roots. Now, so let you kind of in on how things work around here. Typically, when God gives me a series like this, I pray, I ask God to, to show me what he wants to say to the church and he'll give me a series and then I'll pray and ask him to tell me what it is he wants me to specifically talk about. And in this series, I knew there were two specific issues he wanted me to deal with. One was rejection, which we talked about last week. If you missed that message, I'd encourage you to go back to li- and listen to that. And the other was fear. And, and as I prayed about that, I felt like God said, I want you to preach about fear and I want you to invite Sarah to preach this message with you. And so I called Sarah that day and I said, hey, hon, uh, God's telling me to preach on fear and I'd like you to preach on this with me. And she said, I've actually been praying about this today and God spoke to me and told me that I need to preach a message on fear. So God's talking to us. I believe today is going to be really, really good. And, and what we're believing for is that, is that there's some of you who have some issues with fear and God is going to uproot some of the fear issues of your life and help you to step into a new level of freedom that he has for you. Can you agree with me on that this morning? So, hi, Sarah, by the way. Yes. So let's pray, and then we will dig right into this, all right? Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. And we invite you this, over the next few moments to, to speak to us. God, specifically for me and Sarah, I pray that you would use us, that you would speak through us to minister to the hearts of people in our church. I pray that we would disappear and that you would show up, that the loudest voice in this room would be the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us and to the people of the church. So Lord, we ask you to do an amazing work. We thank you that we're going to leave change. We believe that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, around seven or eight years ago, uh, Josh and I were driving around in Texas where we used to live, and I get a call on my cell phone. I look down, don't recognize the number, so I send it, send it to voicemail, and about a minute later, my phone buzzes and lets me know I've got a message, so I proceed to listen to this message, and it's from Kroger. Now, for those of you who don't know, Kroger is not the name of my weird brother or uncle or some, some weird person that I know. Kroger is a grocery store in Texas. It's a really great grocery store. They have a tortilla factory, fresh tortillas, made Taco t- Tuesdays in mm-hmm. Texas, something else. Taco Tuesdays in Texas were legit. They were. Uh, so, so I get this call, and the way it works at Kroger is you have a card there discounts on gas, things like that. And every time you shop, you scan the card and it also tracks your purchases. So Kroger's calling to let me know as a valued customer that something that I've purchased has been recalled. Now, whenever they let me know that it was the new go protein bar that had been recalled in this message, my heart began to race. My throat locked up. I couldn't swallow. My palms started to sweat like this wave of fear and dread hit me because that summer, I had eaten like 50 Nugo protein bars. It was my protein bar of choice, and like every day for lunch, I was eating one of these things. And so when they say, dear valued Kroger customer, the Nugo protein bar has been recalled, 
I, I immediately go down worst case scenario road and I begin to think, oh my gosh, is there cancer causing chemicals in these bars? Is there like little shards of metal and glass that are now tearing up my intestines and I don't even know it? Is there some like deadly bacteria in this thing? What is it? And I'm panicking, freaking out. And then a second later, they, they say the ingredient, milk, is in these Nugo protein bars. That's dun, it. Dun, dun. It was just milk. And the reason that it had been recalled is because that wasn't listed on the label. Now, if you're lactose intolerant or something, that might have really thrown you for a loop. But I love milk. I drink milk all the time. And so it wasn't that big of a deal. I hung up the phone. My heart rate went back to normal. My palms start, stopped sweating. I could swallow again. Everything was fine. But I was a little bit embarrassed about how quickly my mind went to worst case scenario road before yeah. I even had all the information. I mean, in a split second, I'm going through all these scenarios. When Josh and I got married, I was 18 and we've been married for 15 years now. And uh, I had experienced some fear in middle school, dealt with fear. God miraculously healed me. I was having sleepless nights. I've talked about that here at church before, but he healed me, set me free from that. But then right after we got married, I mean, we went on our honeymoon, had an amazing honeymoon in Hawaii. Two weeks later, uh, we're in, settling into our home in Tulsa, and I got really sick. And uh, I was throwing up high fever, really weak, and went to the doctor, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. They were like, we, we really don't know what's going on. And their concern, the concern on their faces, it sowed some really uh, intense fear seeds into my life them not knowing. And, and, you know, I got over the sickness in about two weeks. We never knew what it was, just a little bug or something. But the fear that came that day in the doctor's office when the, the doctors weren't quite sure what was going on with me, that fear lasted for two or three years. And it was, uh, it, it was all consuming. I was a slave to fear. Anytime I got a, a weird pain, a twitch in my eye, a headache, I would immediately go down worst case scenario road. And I, I, I was so afraid of sickness and I was so afraid of death. Um, a headache would turn into, I've probably got a brain tumor and I'm going to have to get chemotherapy. And what if it doesn't work and I'm going to lose my hair and I'm going to go have this long, slow, painful death and a twitch in my eye, anything would, would set me on down worst case scenario road. And of course, when I started to panic, the symptoms would get worse. They would be magnified. They would be very real, very present, these, these weird symptoms. And uh, I'd go to the doctor in hopes that they would tell me I was okay. And I remember one time going to the doctor and telling them, like, my skin is tingly. And they were like, okay, can you tell us anything else? I'm like, no, it's just my skin's and, really and tingly. And she would tell me this stuff too. And I'm kind of going, okay, so. He would, he would say, you're fine. some lubriderm, I don't know. <laughs> He would say, you're fine, but that worst case scenario road had me thinking that I wasn't fine. So I'd go to the doctor, they'd run all these tests, and they'd come back and say, you are a perfectly healthy 19-year-old woman. And um, I'd say, okay, and, and you know, for the next six weeks, I, I was fine. The fear would leave, but then as soon as another symptom started, I'd go right back to that place. And uh, every once in a while, I'd go to the doctor, and they'd give me a prescription, and that was a whole other story. Because if you've seen a prescription and you've seen the side effects, <laughs> that's not good for somebody who's dealing with fear. I'd read the side effects and it was stuff like fainting and blood clots and death and loss of scalp. 
which is probably just dandruff, right? But loss of scalp. <laughs> Why do they make it sound so scary? So I would get the prescription in hopes that it would help me, but it just made things worse. And Wake so up here, in the morning. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm still scalp, got a scalp. Scalp was, scalp, scalp was still there. But I was in this loop of constant fear and dread. And uh, I don't know if there's any of you here, maybe you're not dealing with fear that intense, um, but, but I believe that God wants to set you free today. I can sit here today and 15 years later and tell you that I am no longer a slave to fear. That is my story. Yeah. He redeemed me. I was telling him, how funny is it that the girl who was so caught up in fear is writing a book called Fearless Parenting. Yeah. That's only God. Yeah. Only God can redeem me like he redeemed me. Yeah, but maybe you're here today and, and that's where you find yourself. The fruit of fear is constantly being produced on the branches of your life. Maybe you're struggling with fear over your body and sickness. You're afraid of every little thing that comes against you, every little symptom that you're, you're nervous about what that could lead to. Maybe you're afraid of the future. You're afraid of who's going to get elected and where our country's going to go and what, who could be the next president. And that just gnaws at you. Maybe you're afraid of failure. So you work yourself to death because you don't want to fail. Maybe you're, you're afraid of failure, so you don't try new things, because what if you fail? You're so afraid of trying something, you're so afraid of failure, you won't even try something new. Maybe you're afraid of something happening to your children. Maybe you're afraid of a kidnapping. Maybe you're afraid of being raped or being, uh, what, whatever it may be, you have these fears in your life. Maybe you're fearful about, about your finances, about having enough money, being able to take care of your bills, being able to provide for your family. Maybe you're afraid of what other people think of you. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know really what the fear is. You just know that there's this constant gnawing thing that resides in you that kind of sits under the surface that causes, or you feel like you could just be pushed over the edge at any moment. Well, the good news for you today is that uh, God is a good God. And that the answer for fear is the same for everybody. The cure is the same for everyone. That's right. And we're going to talk about the cure and how we can uproot this fear in our lives. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about how fear operates. There is a good fear. There is a, a fear that God put in you, that he equipped you with. And this good fear is a circumstantial awareness or respect for what's dangerous in life. For instance, you see a tornado forming in the sky and that fear that God put in you, uh, it, it warns you, you want to go hide and take shelter. Um, if you see a grizzly bear loose at the zoo, you're not going to run up to that grizzly bear and try to cuddle with it. That God-given fear in you senses danger. Yeah. Um, it's a circumstantial awareness or respect for what's dangerous in life. You respect that bear and you get out of there, right? And if you don't, go see the movie The Revenant and you will find a way yes. to have a healthy fear of, your bears. fear of bears. Uh, and then there's the bad fear, and that's what we're focused on today. We're talking about a bad fear, and this is a perpetual, ongoing awareness that has a negative effect on your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Ongoing awareness, it's got a negative <clears throat> effect on your day-to-day -day life. It's paralyzing, it's confusing, and it's enslaving. That is the properties of the bad fear that God wants to set you free from today. Now, I think sometimes to understand what something is, it helps to understand what something isn't. 
That's why babies, if you go look in a baby bookshelf, half the books in there are going to be opposite books because they want to teach you what cold is, but to teach you what cold is, they also have to teach you what it's not, which it's hot. So we're going to talk about the opposite of fear for a second, and the opposite of fear is faith. I'm going to read you some statements. Write these down if you can. If you can't, go back and listen, okay? Fear is expecting the devil to move. You're expecting the devil to move in your life. Faith is expecting God to move. Fear is a prophet spirit from hell sent to give us a negative view of the future. Prophesize to you the bad things, a negative view of the future. Faith is a prophet spirit from God sent to give us a positive view of the future. Faith comes in and says, no, God has good plans for you. He has plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Fear is punishment-based. Faith is reward-based. Fear is rooted in lies. Listen, the only language that Satan can speak, his native tongue is lying. That's all he knows how to say to you. So when he comes and talks to you, you can know when when those feelings of fear come, be reminded Satan is a liar. Faith is rooted in truth, the truth of God's word. Fear pulls us away from God. Faith draws us closer to God. So if the opposite of of faith is fear, then uh, the root of fear is unbelief. If you take a note, write that down this morning. The root of fear is unbelief. When it comes to fear, fear is the fruit, but the root, which is what we want to deal with, the root issue that's causing the fear is unbelief. Unbelief is this. It's an unwillingness to believe that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. When you're struggling with fear, you find yourself living in that place where you really don't Know that you can trust, because that's what faith is. Faith is trust. Can you really trust God to come through for you? If there's an area of your life where you're struggling with fear, you're struggling to trust God in that area of your life. So what happens is you, you, you see God as being untrustworthy in an area, and you don't really believe that he will come through for you. Now, this, this is a growth stunter for you in your walk with God. This will, your unbelief, your fear will stop you in your tracks because we as Christians are called to walk by faith, right? God is going to ask you to, to, to become who it is God's called you to be. You're going to have to walk by faith. You're going to have to take some steps that cause you to trust God. But if you're rooted in unbelief, you're rooted in fear, then when an opportunity presents itself for you to step out and trust God in faith because you don't really believe God will come through for you because you're rooted in fear, you won't be able to take that step of faith and you're going to miss out on the plans and purposes and life that God has called you to live. So you can't walk by, by faith if you're rooted in fear. Okay, so if the root of fear is unbelief, then the root uh, of, of peace, which is what we want our life to be producing, is faith. Look at this with me in John 14, 27. It says, peace, this is Jesus talking, peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstances and give you courage and strength 
for every challenge. This is an amazing offer, what Jesus is offering yeah. us. He is offering not a version of his peace, uh, but he is offering us his actual peace, his perfect peace, a peace that is not based on circumstances, yeah. a peace that doesn't go up and down based on whatever we're going through, but a peace that is steady and it's the same always. It's a perfect peace, and that's what he's offering to us. Our life shouldn't be producing fear. Our life should be producing it should be producing peace. So the root of peace is faith. When we have faith in God and we grab onto a promise like this, yeah. your, your perfect peace is available to me. I'm going to walk in that peace. I'm going to live there. Yeah. When we do that, we start to produce peace in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You want your life producing peace. The people around you, your kids, your family, yeah. they want to be able to eat from the fruit that you're producing and how sweet is it for them to be able to eat of God's perfect peace good. blowing out of our lives. Yeah. Okay. So we want to give you four things today to help you to uproot unbelief and walk in faith in, in the faith God has for you. So if we're going to uproot unbelief and stop the fruit of fear, we have to number one, turn on the lights. Turn on the lights. When Sarah and I uh, first started dating years ago, I took her on a date one time to Drumright, Oklahoma. Anybody from Drumright, Oklahoma? No. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, to a place called, it was, it was around Halloween, to a thing called Scream Country. Anybody ever heard of Scream Country before? Okay. Scream Country is this, uh, this path that's out in the woods that the school and Drumright puts on where you walk through these woods and people try to scare you. In fact, here's what the, they still do this to this day. Here's what the website says. Scream Country is a haunted forest. It's a Halloween experience like no other. It's located two miles northeast of Drumright in Oklahoma, deep in the woods and haunts over 40 acres of dark, twisting forest. So, so what you do is you go out to this place and you pay money to walk this trail. And while you're walking down this trail in the dark, people pop out with masks on and chainsaws and fake knives and stuff and try to scare you out of your mind. Sounds like a good date, doesn't it? But here's the thing. You got to understand I was being strategic. I knew what I was doing. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to take her out here and she's going to get all scared and she's going to turn to me, her protective man, and cuddle up with me and, you know, body on body kind of stuff. This is, this is going to be good, right? That's what I'm thinking. I'm strategic. So, uh, and in fact, I remember we were driving out there. I remember telling her, you know, if you really wanted to murder some people, like this is like the perfect cover. You could go out here for real and you could be killing people all night, and no one would know till the next day. They would just think it was I a part of the show. I think you told me it was an escaped convict's paradise. Yeah. So I discovered something, though, that night. When Sarah gets scared, she doesn't cuddle. She screams, and then she punches. And she, she punched me over and over again. So we're walking through this forest, and people are popping out, and she's going, ah! Boom, and just blasting me on the arm over and over again. Now, here, here's my point with this whole thing. What makes an event like Scream Country effective is that it's in the dark. It's in the dark. Uh, Scream Country doesn't begin during the middle of a day on a beautiful you know, afternoon where you could see everything. They do it in the dark. Why? Because when you're in the darkness, everything seems scarier. 
If I could see, if I was walking through in the day and I could see that that person coming at me with a chainsaw was an acne-faced high school sophomore with an electric chainsaw that doesn't have a chain in it, I'm not going to be very afraid. That's the reality, but what I see in the dark is something completely different, isn't it? And so the point is this, if you're dealing with fear, you got to flip on the light. you got to turn on the light. You, you need to expose the fears. Don't allow them to stay hidden in the darkness that they thrive on. Right. When I was afraid, uh, dealing with fear, I was afraid to talk about it. I didn't want anybody to know what I was dealing with. Um, I had heard at church growing up that the thing that you fear will come upon you. That's what happened to Job. All the things that he was afraid of came upon him. So I was afraid to say anything about it for a number of reasons. One, I didn't want the thing that I feared to come upon me. I was actually afraid of fear. That's how messed up I was. I also uh, didn't... You were afraid of being afraid. I was afraid of being afraid, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I also didn't want to put it out there. Like, I'd also grown up hearing, you have what you say, you have what you say. And I felt like if I came to him and said, hey, I'm afraid that I'd be putting something out into the universe. I didn't understand how confession worked. And I'm thinking, if I put this out into the universe, then, then, then maybe it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Whatever I'm afraid of is going to come upon me. I didn't want to do that. I also didn't want to talk to anybody about it because I didn't want them to think I didn't trust God, which is a pride issue. I was proud. I wanted people to think that I trusted God and I trust his word and I've got this all together. So it was pride. It was uh, not understanding God's word correctly. Um, and then it was also just not wanting people to think I was weird and screwed up. Like, hey, I'm, a real, I'm really afraid that I, I have a brain tumor and they're going to think I'm crazy when I admit that. So there were several reasons that I kept it in the dark. Um, but being that way, keeping it in the dark, it really created this huge wedge between Josh and I. We'd be watching a movie or something and I'd be sitting there on the couch and uh, we're having a great time. And then all of a sudden I get a pain in my calf. And I'm like, oh man, there's a pain in my calf. That prescription that I read earlier said you could get blood clots. Hopefully this isn't a blood, blood clot. What if it goes to my brain in the middle of the night and I die? So I'm in this world of pure dread and terror. And he's watching like Dan in real life and laughing. And he's like, are you not, what, what's wrong? Are you not having fun with the movie? Do you not like this movie? And I just, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I would never admit what was going on. But finally, after two years of being married, I saw him go through something, walk through some sin in his life that he decided to take out of the darkness into the light. And I saw when he brought it into the light and started talking to me about it and started talking to his parents and his friends and families, when, when he brought that sin into the light, how quickly and how um, effectively he was able to, to get rid of that sin. And so whatever you're dealing with, know that you've got to bring it into the light. Whatever yeah. fears, no matter how silly, no matter how big, no matter if you think people are going to think you're weird or that you don't trust God, it's worth it to get it out into the light. Let people tell you, um, just shine light on it. Yeah. When I began to tell him what I was dealing with, uh, it was just like, as soon as like it came out of my mouth, the fear left. Yeah. It was just getting it out into the open saying, hey, I'm really dealing with this thought of having a blood clot. And as soon as I would say that, it was like, oh, the fear is gone. It yeah. just needed to be brought out into the light. And he would pray for me and comfort me. This is what small groups are for. Yeah. If you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you to get in a small group, a women's group, a men's group, one of our community groups. Find some people that you can do life with so that when stuff like this comes up, you have people that will help you shine light on what you're dealing with. They'll help make something that seems big and scary 
they'll, they'll, they'll reveal it for what it really is, a lie from the enemy. Yeah. So, and, and I want to encourage you, you got a spouse, you got some, find somebody you can connect with. Now, what we're talking about here is, is exposing the fear, not embracing the fear. And it's important that you understand this because I think this line can get a little blurry t- yeah. sometimes. So when, when we're exposing the fear, the goal is to get it out into the light so we can see it for what it is and find freedom from it. Not so you can identify with it and make it a part of who you are. Listen, here's a really good piece of advice for you today. Never identify with something that comes from the devil. Don't do that. And fear comes from the devil. In fact, the Bible tells us that that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and a love and a sound mind. The, The presence of God, in fact, Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. The presence of God brings peace. And so just how you can know that God's presence is with you by the peace that comes with his presence, you can know that the enemy's at work in your life by the presence, his presence at work in your life by the fear that he brings against you. God is not going to use fear to motivate you, to lead you, to direct you. That is not how God rolls. So don't cuddle up with fear. Don't embrace anxiety. Don't, don't make these things a part of who you are and just to choose to live with them and accept them. No, no, no. Push that stuff away. See it for what it is. It's something that the devil is using to steal, kill, and destroy you and use faith to drive it away. That's so good. Uh, Jesus faced fear. If you're here today and you're thinking, I don't have anybody to shine the light on. I'm not in a small group. I can't talk to my parents about this. I want to encourage you, start by talking to your father. I didn't even talk to God about the fears that I was going through because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I was afraid that if I was like, Lord, I'm afraid of this, that it would be me saying, I don't trust you, which really was the issue, but I didn't want to admit that I didn't trust him. And so I was afraid I was going to hurt his feelings and I didn't want to talk to him about it. But look at this, when Jesus went to the cross, it says in Hebrews that he faced fear, that he was agonized over the cross, agonized over it, but he went to his father and he talked to him about it. He went in that garden, the garden of Gethsemane. He talked to his father and said, I am terrified. I do not want to go through this. He knew, he knew how hard it was going to be. And he was facing some very real fear in that moment, but he brought it to God. And I believe that as he brought that fear into the light, brought it to his father right there, an exchange took place and God replaced that fear with joy. It was not because of the fear that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross, but because of the joy. So when you go to your father, listen, be honest with him. He already knows your heart. It's not like you can hide what you're thinking from him. He knows your heart. He knows the secrets of your heart. He knows you better than you do. Go to him and tell him what you're dealing with and let him exchange your fear for joy and for peace. Okay. So if we're going to uproot unbelief and stop the fruit of fear, we have to turn on the light. Expose it for what it is. Refuse to stumble in the darkness any, any longer. Turn on the light. The next thing we've got to do is turn off the noise. Turn off the noise. Anyone ever heard this phrase before? If it bleeds, it leads. That's referring to the news media. And that's meaning, uh, the meaning of that is the more horrific and bloody the story, then that's what they want to lead with. They want to lead with the worst possible thing in news media. I read this article uh, published by Psychology Today about how the news media works. It says, in previous decades, the journalistic mission was to report the news as it actually happened with fairness, balance, and integrity. However, 
Capitalistic motives associated with journalism have forced much of today's television news to look to the spectacular, the stirring, and the controversial news stories. It's no longer a race to break the story first or get the facts right. Instead, it's to acquire good ratings in order to get advertisers so that their profits soar. Listen, if you deal with fear, you got to look to the sources. Where is this fear coming from? A lot of it could be coming from just watching things like the news. Um, News has two aims. The news has two aims. Um, They want to grab your attention with a teaser because they know if they grab your attention, uh, they can get you to come back later to find out what they were talking about. And they want to also persuade you that whatever they grabbed your attention with, whatever fear that they planted in your heart, they've got the solution to that fear if you'll just tune in that night at 10 p.m. You've probably experienced this. You're watching a football game or something, and it's, the news comes up, and it's like, what's in your water that you need to know about? Find out tonight at 10. And you're just going, oh, crap, what's in our water? we got, <laughs> we got to tune in at 10. Um, or, or, or something like, what deadly germs may be lurking in your doctor's office. And you're just kind of going, oh man, I don't know, maybe we should, or deadly mosquitoes. There's all kinds of stuff that they're trying to put fear in your heart. But if you tune in at 10, we'll, we'll relieve that fear by telling you, telling you uh, what we're talking about. They, they know exactly what they're doing. The rhythm, the grammar, the presentation, they're trying to instill, instill fear in us. Uh, because it's all about they need viewers because they need sponsors because they need money. So I want you to remember that. It's okay to turn off the news. You don't have to watch the news. Yeah. They don't care about you or your families or your feelings. They just care about money. Okay? Listen to this. Children and adults who are exposed to news media are more likely to feel that their neighborhoods and communities are unsafe, believe that crime rates are rising. Even if they're not. Even if they're not, overestimate their odds of becoming a victim and consider the world to be a dangerous place. Listen, this is why for 10 plus years, me and Sarah do not watch the news. We tell people that sometimes they're like, how do you get your news? Come on, people. In the world we live in today, do you think we're having a hard time knowing what's going on in the world? There are so many outlets through which we can get news. But here's the difference. We don't allow some programmer who's driven by trying to make money and trying to just get people there by using fear tactics to expose us to whatever he feels like he wants to or she feels like they want to expose us to that night. We get to choose what we read. We get to choose what we look at. So we're not focused on the mosquito crisis of 2016 or whatever it may be, we can choose to focus on the right kind of things. And that's so important to this. So if you struggle with fear, turn down the news, turn down the noise. Maybe it's not news media for you. Maybe it's Google. Maybe you're one of those people that gets a symptom and you Google it and then you see all the crazy articles and you become gripped with fear. Stop doing that. Don't Google it. I know that that because of my past, I know that that's a, a sensitive subject for me. And so I will ask Josh if I'm dealing with something or whatever, hey, can you Google this? I'm having this pain in my right eye, whatever. And I have him look it up and it's usually, you know, it's it's probably this or that. But I know if I get on there, I'm going to find the worst case scenario article and it'll take me somewhere I don't want to go. So be careful what you're looking at, what you're reading, what you're giving um, access to. Uh, If you're one of those people that's really afraid of crime, you overestimate your... um, your odds of becoming a victim, turn off shows like CSI, crime scene investigation, stuff like that. Turn that down. And this is what you need to, to focus on instead. Philippians 4.8. Finally, believers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings Brings peace, peace. whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think Think continually continually on on these things. things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Listen, this isn't us ignoring symptoms. This isn't us being naive. This is us choosing what we're going to think about. This yeah. is us saying, you know what? We're going to do things God, God's way. We're not going to think continually on negative news and, and uh, things that stir up fear in us. We're going to think continually on what, uh, on what this verse tells us to think continually on. I read this week, the average person thinks 50,000 thoughts a day. Now check this out. And 80% are negative. So we're thinking a lot of bad thoughts already. That's just happening. So we need to replace those, those bad thoughts with the right kind of thoughts. So that leads us to point number three. If we're going to uproot unbelief and stop the fruit of fear, we have to, number three, turn the pages. So we understand that, that uh, unbelief is the root of our fears, but it's not enough to just know that that's the issue. We have to do something in order to uproot this unbelief and reroute our life in the right kind of beliefs, the right kind of thinking. We need to root our lives in the types of things that Sarah just read about that Paul said, things that are true and noble and reputable and authentic. So we need to fill our minds with something that's greater than this world. We need to fill our minds with truth. We need to fill our minds with the word of God. This is why you need to turn the pages. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. It says, do not be conformed. Conformed means we're just going along with everybody else. We're forming our life with what everybody else in this world is doing. Do not be conformed to this world, or another translation says the pattern of this world, but be transformed. You guys remember transformers? They're more than meets the eye, right? They go from one thing to something completely something else, right? That's what God wants you to do. He's changing you. He's transforming you in your mind by renewing your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If we're going to uproot unbelief, we've got to allow the word of God to transform our thinking. We were born into this world with a certain way of thinking. We live in a world that thinks a certain way. And so the default setting of our mind is to think negative thoughts. So we need to replace those negative thoughts with the positive thoughts of what the word of God has to say. So this is what you do. You find promises in God's word, promises about God's goodness, promises about God's plan for your life, and you begin to allow those thoughts to, or those words from, those promises from God to transform your thinking. How do you do that? You read the word of God. You write down verses that speak to the issue that you're dealing with. Listen, feed the need. If you're struggling in a certain area, find verses that speak to that area of your life. Write those verses down. Put them up in your house. Put them in your car. Put them on your mirror. Speak them out of your mouth. My friends, the word of God is life-giving. It is the, the Bible is the actual word of God, which created this world, formed this world. And if you want it to form your world, you got to get it inside of you, in your mind and in your mouth so that it can begin to transform your life into the image of what God wants your life to be. One promise from God can, has, has enough power to send a thousand fearful thoughts running. So replace those fearful thoughts with God's promises. And if you need somewhere to start, Psalm 23, Psalm 91, 1 John 4. Psalm 23, Psalm 91, 1 John 4. All right, if we're going to uproot unbelief and stop the fruit of fear from being produced in our life, lastly, we're going to have to turn back time. And to me, this is the most important part of this message because you can turn on the light 
You can expose your fear. You can uh, turn the pages of your Bible. Uh, but if you do not get this right here, fear is still going to have a foothold in your life. I'm sure you all know somebody who likes to blow smoke, right? We all know that person. Uh, maybe somebody that you work with. Maybe somebody this Thanksgiving. You walk in and it, maybe it's your aunt. And Aunt Darcy's there and you walk in and she's like, oh, you look fantastic. I can tell you've lost weight. Look at your kids. They're the most beautiful kids. You guys are just such a wonderful family. And she goes on and on and on. And then your brother comes in and she gives him the exact same spiel. And then your nephew comes in and she says the exact same thing to him. Have you lost weight? You look amazing. You're in the best shape. And as you see her do this over and over and over again, you're like, ah, that's just Aunt Darcy. She's just blowing smoke. Her words don't really... Her words don't really hold near and dear to your heart. They're kind of valueless. Because you know that cousin didn't lose weight. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, So you love her, you love her intentions, you know she's just trying to be sweet, but her words don't really hold much weight in your life. I want to ask you a question this morning, and I need crowd participation here. How many of you have ever heard the words before, Jesus loves you? If you've heard Jesus loves you, I want you to raise your hand. If you've heard those words, Jesus loves you. Okay, if you've heard them more than once, raise your hand. If you think you've heard those words more than 50 times, raise your hand. Look around this room. Everybody in here, you can put your hands down now. Everybody in here has heard those words multiple times. Even if you didn't grow up in church, just driving down the road and seeing a little church marquee, you'll see the words, Jesus loves you. Watching a football game, you're going to see somebody holding up a sign that says, Jesus loves you. In this part of the country, especially in the Bible Belt, we've been hearing Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, for as long as we can remember. That's great, but I think the problem with it is because we've heard it so much and because we're so familiar with it that sometimes we start to think that maybe Jesus is just saying that to make us feel better. Or, or maybe those words, you've, you've heard them, they just don't hold a lot of weight in your heart. Yeah. They don't, you don't put a lot of stock into those words that Jesus loves you because you've heard it so many times. And you know that he's not just saying it to you. Yeah. He's saying it to your brother and your nephew and the person on your right and the person on your left. He's saying it to everyone. So it just seems like this big blanket statement, Jesus loves you. And we forget that it actually is true. And although he does love this person and that person, he loves us individually yeah. and uniquely. And we lose touch of that. We yeah. lose sight of that. It doesn't hold weight in our lives. Uh, But in order to get rid of fear, we're going to have to go back to that place where we actually believe that that is true. And we let those words wash over us in a new and exciting and refreshing way. It's like we're hearing it for the very first time. Listen to this. 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out the door and expels every trace of terror. There's not even a trace of fear left when we begin to understand God's love for us. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. Okay, so faith is the opposite of fear, but get this, if you're taking notes, write this down. Faith does not cast out fear, love does. Love is what drives away fear. Remember, fear is rooted in unbelief. But when you root your life in God's love, when you commit to understanding how much God loves you, you come to believe that he loves you. And from that, 
you understand that he's going to take care of you. Remember what this verse says. It says, he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. So they haven't reached this place. Now I have a question for you. How long does it take to reach the full maturity of love? Maybe it takes 10 years. You've got to be in the Word of God for 10 years and going to church and reading your Bible for 10 years, and then you'll get to this place where you reach the full maturity of love. Or maybe it's longer. Maybe it takes 30 years to get to that place. Well, I would argue that we can all be there. And here's why. If I think about the, the most unfearful people in my life, it is my kids, especially when they were really little. Think about your little kids. My kids, when they were little, they weren't worried about where money was going to come from. <laughs> If we were going to have enough money to put food on the table and pay our bills, and they, they weren't concerned with that at all. Uh, they, they were fearless. They, they weren't concerned with if, if something bad was going to happen to them, if somebody was going to try to steal them. If you have a little kid and you take them to the mall, you'll notice something. The moms are much more concerned about the kids getting away from them than the kids are about getting away from mom. They'll just run off. They have no fear what other people might try to do to them. They're not afraid of being hurt. That's why they'll run out into a parking lot and and run into the street. They're not afraid of germs. I watched Becky's little boy this morning. He's down here during rehearsal chewing on his shoe. None of us would chew on our shoe, but he's not afraid of that. He's not fearful of that. They're not afraid of people's perception of them. You can dress your kids in the dorkiest clothes ever, and they could care less about it. I've seen the Instagrams. People do it. You can give your kid a mullet, and they'll wear it proudly. You could shave male pattern baldness into your child's head, and they're, they're going to roll with it. They don't care. They don't care what other people think of them. Now, I'm not saying that kids are totally mature because they're not. You know, they're going to drop food on the ground, and they're going to get mad if you take their toy away. But here's what my kids understood and still understand to this day. Daddy loves them. And daddy's watching over them, and daddy's going to protect them. And as far as my kids, especially when they were little, were concerned, I was limitless in my ability to do that for them, to provide for them, to care for them. Now, the truth is there are limitations to what I can do for my kids. But the greater truth that you need to root yourself in this morning is that your father God loves you. And he is the best daddy that has ever existed. And he is limitless in his ability to care for you, to love you, to provide for you. To, to his, he was without limits. And the only thing that can limit him is not the devil. It's you. It's your unbelief. It's your lack of trust in that he will do what he says he will do. We've got to believe and trust him. Could it be that the older we get, the more we become rooted in the realities of this world and we lose that, that, that faith that we should have in Jesus and the love that he has for us. We root our life in earthly realities instead of biblical truths and it causes us to walk in unbelief and it causes fear to come in and dominate our lives. Turn back time. Go back to when the love of God was fresh and exciting and real to you and it mattered to you and it wasn't just something that he says to everybody to make him feel better but he loves you uniquely and he loves you. He knows you better than anybody else. Knows all your stuff. And he loves you more than anybody else. You know, when I was in that season where I was struggling with faith in God, my unbelief was needing help. When that scripture says, help my unbelief, I was struggling with unbelief. But it, I, I didn't, like you said, faith doesn't cast out fear. It's love. When I set my eyes, Lord, I just know you love me. I don't understand. I, don't, I, I know I'm at a place where I need help with my unbelief, but I just know you love me. And that began to, to send fear packing. We've all been through things that we never thought that we would have to go through. Things that have changed our perception of God's love for us. But listen to me. God's love has never changed. His love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only thing about God's love that's changed 
from the time that you you first experienced to now is your perception of it that's good the way that you're seeing it he loves you perfectly and completely when i was pregnant with our daughter sunny um 20 weeks into the pregnancy i started dealing with some fear we had the pregnancy before lost a baby at 20 weeks we went in for an ultrasound a routine ultrasound and found out that we were going to have to deliver the baby stillborn so everything was going great with Sunny's pregnancy. I went into that pregnancy full. I'd been turning the pages. I'd been turning on the light, everything. I was full of faith in God and knew that he loved me. But that 20-week mark came around and I began to deal with thoughts of fear and dread and all the what ifs. What if we go back to the doctor and the same thing happens that happened last time? I was wearing the same clothes I was at 20. All these little reminders were popping up and I was dealing with fear. But I knew because I'd done it enough times I was not going to let the devil play with me. I went to him and I said, hey, I need you to help me turn on the lights here. The Lord, the devil's messing with me. I've got fear that this is, what if this happens all over again? And he just wrapped me in his arms and just prayed with me. And he prayed over me and he began to pray those words, uh, Lord, or Lord, help Sarah to know that faith doesn't cast out fear, but love does. Help her to be so convinced of your love this week. And so I knew what I needed to do. When he prayed those words, I was like, okay, I'm just going to be focused on God's love for me. I made a playlist on iTunes, all songs talking about how much God loves me. Funny enough, they were almost all children's songs, but I played those all day long, played them all day long and um, turned the pages of the Bible, read scriptures, meditated on scriptures about God's love for me. And the fear uh, was subsiding. It was going away, but I, I put a nail in the head uh, and sent that fear completely packing that night when I got into bed with my daughter Bo to read her books and we'd read this book uh, countless times it's one of our favorites it's called God loves me more than that and she brought it to me and I read it and I want to read it to you and take you back to that place back to the beginning when when you were young when you're when the, the your perspective of God's love for you was perfect I want you to go back there with me today says, how much love does God have for me? More than the letters between A and Z. More than the bumbles in a bumblebee. God loves me more than that. Tell me, please, is the Lord's love high? It's higher than the moon in a starless sky. Higher than a space shuttle flying by. God loves me higher than that. Just how deep is God's love for me? It's deeper than a treasure chest beneath the sea. Deeper than a wishing well could ever be. God loves me deeper than that. Tell me, please, is the Lord's love wide, wider than a semi-truck from side to side, wider than the prairies where the cowboys ride. God loves me wider than that. Just how much does the Lord's love weigh? More than elephants munching hay, more than hippos on a rainy day. God loves me bigger than that. Tell me, please, is the Lord's love loud? It's louder than the cheering of a football crowd, louder than a thunder rumbling storm charged cloud. God loves me louder than that. Is God's love soft? Won't you tell me, please? It's softer than the sigh of a summer breeze. It's much, much softer than a kitten sneeze. God loves me more softer than that. Lord, it's great to be loved by you. I hope you know that I love you too. It's nice to know that my whole life through, God loves me more than that. Whatever it is that you're going through this morning, whatever fears that you're facing, Be convinced that God loves you more.
more than that. His love is deep. His love is high. His love is wide. His love is loud. It's louder than the lies of the enemy. Let God love you and watch those fears die. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you today as you listen to this message. And I want you to ask yourself this question. If you are dealing with an area of fear in your life, I want you to ask the, the question. Maybe, maybe this is a question you start with. What is my that? <laughs> like, What is that fear? What is that issue that I keep dealing with? What's causing anxiety? What, whatever it is, I want you to ask God to reveal it to you. And then I want you to ask this question. God, do you love me more than that? Maybe you're afraid of of having a miscarriage or losing a baby or having a child that's born with birth defects or issues. God, do you love me more than that? Uh, Maybe you're afraid of your financial future if you're going to have enough. God, do you love me more than that? Maybe you're afraid of sickness. I believe God is saying to you today, I love you more than that. With long life, I want to satisfy you. I love you more than that. And it's not that everything will always be perfect because the word says that it won't. But even when things are, don't go the way that we want them to, that we know that God loves us and he's going to carry us through whatever challenges that life may bring. Yeah, so whatever your that is, just present it to the Lord and, and really come to believe that God loves you more than that. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you that you are a faithful God, a good God who cares about your children. And you have the ability to care for us, to provide for us, to minister to us, to heal us. And so we put the full weight of our life into your hands. We believe you. We put our trust in you. We seal ourselves in your love. And I pray that you would continually reveal the largeness and the, the amazing love that you have for every one of us here this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to invite you to do that today. Uh, With every head bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here and you're not sure if you were to die today, if you'd be able to to go to heaven or you feel like maybe you, there's a distance between you and God and and you want to know that you're right with God. Maybe you're here today and you're hearing this, this story of the love of God, but you've never received it. Well, God offers you his love. He offers it to everyone freely. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what kind of mistakes you've made. God loves you and he, and he loves you more than your sin. He loves you more than that as well. So he wants to receive you into his family today. So if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And since we're all in agreement, church, let's all pray this together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus. You took my sins. You died with my sins. And you rose from the dead so that I could be raised to new life with you. God, I know you love me more than my sin. So I thank you for forgiving me, making me new. I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you my all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.